Hello and welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. In 2006, I started this show and I really wanted to share stories of people who have displayed a tremendous amount of resilience, who have become successful, not because the path was perfectly paved for them, but because they were resilient and they were able to stumble and fall and get back up. And it wasn't that they did everything perfectly, because as we know, that's a myth. And today I'm excited to share a story of someone I know. He's just recently retired from the Air Force, and he's going to talk about the importance and the impact of mentors on his career and that leading to the successful career that he had to this point in his life. So I'm really excited to have Garrett Lowe. And one of the things that he talks a little bit about was he wasn't a great student, but he still got into the academy and how he was able to do that. And then he wasn't the best cadet, but he was still able to become the fighter pilot that he always dreamed of. And he eventually won the Air Force's version of Top Gun. So he's kind of a badass, great athlete, and became a great pilot and became a great man. So I look forward to sharing this interview about mentors and I will circle back. Thanks so much for listening. At times we play tricks on ourselves and tell ourselves that we must go it alone to be successful. However, as a listener of the show, you know that's not true. It's about the people we have on our team. And today's guest, Garrett Lowe, former Air Force pilot, he's going to share the impact of his mentors had on his life. Garrett, hello and welcome to my show. Thanks, Corinne. It's a pleasure to be here. So first off, I want to have some background information uh, for the listeners about, I guess, one, why you're here. How, what, what triggered this? Do you want to share the backstory? Do you want me to? Um, no, I'm happy to do it. I, um, I grew up in Davis, California, and um, pretty early on, I started uh, swimming uh, with the local club there. And uh, one of my first coaches was someone that you know pretty well. Uh, Pete Motokaitis, and um, and I swam for several years uh, with him uh, on on the club team, and then later uh, on the high school team. And so I kept in touch with Pete because um, he was pretty pretty important uh, in my life, and uh, very uh, he had a huge impact actually. And so we've kept in touch, and then uh, just throughout the years, I've uh, just sent him updates on how things are going, and and he does the same, and and I think that's how I. I got to your show. So um, in a nutshell, that's, I think that's why we're talking right now. That is. And so when you sent him that email and, and Pete is one of those guys who really is like, go it alone. I'll just work harder. And it was interesting to, to watch him and the impact your email meant, meant, uh, had on him. Um, this is why he no longer listens to my show. Cause I'm always talking about him, but, uh, is <laughs> he'll probably listen to this one, but is this idea of how mentors can really shape a life. And, um, and so he had said, Hey, Garrett would be great, you know, because in, in the things that you shared in that email with all the mentors that you had listed and how it really helped shape your life. Um, and the importance of that story for other people to realize how mentors can be influential and how, you know, can help you create kind of the life that you want. 
Um, so I, let's talk about this. So you are, you swam with him and then you went off to the air force Academy. Yeah, I was, um, so in, in high school, uh, I swam and I'd been swimming since a young age. Um, and I also played water polo. So I was recruited at the air force Academy for water polo and swimming, um, and went there, um, to do, to do both of those sports. And I did, um, I was able to be a two sport athlete, which wasn't, wasn't easy, especially there. Um, but I, it was important to me. Uh, and a lot of that was because of where I started out with, uh, you know, and the, and the, the sports background that I had in Davis, it just, it's always stayed with me. So I did that two sport athlete. Um, I was captain of the water polo team at the air force Academy. Uh, and then, and then was also on the swim team. Um, and then, uh, from there, uh, graduated from the air force Academy in 95. Um, and then went to pilot training, uh, air force pilot training in 96 in, uh, in, uh, Texas, um, did pilot training. And then basically from there, I, my entire air force career was, was flying airplanes, which is kind of what I always wanted to do to back up a bit. My dad was a, uh, air force pilot and, a and a private pilot. He actually was flying at UC Davis. There's an airport there, uh, at the, at the university. So he was the chief pilot there and, he taught me to fly and I kind of grew up around it. So I mixed those two, you know, sports because the Air Force Academy had great sports teams and then the love of flying. And that's kind of where I ended up where I was. So then from that point um, in the Air Force, uh, did nothing but fly again. That's what I always wanted to do. And and then um, finished my career, retired actually um, from the Air Force. And I'm now in the process of leaving the Air Force and going on to a civilian civilian flying and when I did that, um, and I was retiring, and, and I couldn't help but kind of look back and and see how did I get to this point because um, I had a pretty successful career, and I'm basically getting ready to start another one. And I just looked back at my mentors, and uh, there were there were many, um, a bunch of bunch of men that that mentored me and and helped me get to where I was, and and one of those was was certainly Pete. In fact, he was one of the first. So. That's that's where that started. I kind of just reflected on that, collected my thoughts, and I sent it out to all of those guys that were so important to me on how I got to that point in my life. Well, and and that's part so cool is to see. It, I loved how it was listed in your email because it really sh- showed the growth of a man, right? And the different things that you got from these different mentors. Um, I want to go back to when you you know this was a lifelong dream of becoming a pilot, going to the Air Force Academy, getting in the Air Force is not an easy thing. And and then on top of it, it's it's so hard. I don't know how many people understand how hard it is to be an athlete in the academy versus at, you know, like at a university, just because you have a lot of extra duties, at least to my understanding, when I would talk to, when I was swam and I would talk with a lot of the Air Force uh, swimmers. How were you able to overcome those obstacles and, and be able to still accomplish to great success what you did. Well, I'll I'll start by saying I wasn't a great student, to be perfectly honest. I was a very average high school student, um, and even at the academy, I would say I was an average student. Um, so, in a lot of ways, um, you know, but you're right. Uh, playing sports kind of uh, it, it was not a distraction, but it was one more thing that I had to do. But it was how it was what drove me. Uh, if I didn't have it, I don't know that I would have even stuck it out. So, um, and I think 
um, the student athlete, and it doesn't matter where you go to school, um, whether it's high school level or the, the collegiate level, I think it's incredibly important. I think to have to be a well-rounded person, um, you don't you not only need you know the academics and and, and all the things you get from a, a formal education, um, but you need an organized activity. And I think sports is the best one where you know you're part of a team. And whether that's swimming, and when you're swimming, you're kind of mostly doing individual stuff, but you're still part of a team. Or or in my case, water polo. Uh, you know, a, a team sport, it, it's incredibly important. And so uh, I always knew that, I mean, that's what got me there. And I always knew that that would continue to drive me. Um, and they're looking for that in the military as well. So the Air Force Academy and all the service academies, they're producing officers and they don't want, they don't want a one dimensional type person. They want the well-rounded person. So they encourage that. However, you're right. It did make it difficult. So we had a lot of, I spent a lot of time on the road going to swim meets and and water polo tournaments, and we would they would have um, tutors that would come along and give us some extra instruction, and and I just had to put more time in on the weekends, um, you know, when when if I hadn't been playing sports, maybe I would have a little more time off. But it was it was what got me there, and it was extremely important and very rewarding. So I'm glad I did it. Well, and thank you for because that was a part of the story that I knew about you. You know, academically, you you were well. Pete never said average, but you weren't one of these top, especially in our community of Davis, right? You weren't oh, one yeah. of these top flight kids, but you were oh. able to achieve great things. And for parents that are listening to the show, it's so important because right now there's such this race to nowhere of if my kid is not a 4.5 or 5.0 student that, you know, it's over for them. And I'm, and one of the things I'm always saying is that there's many ways to get there and don't think that's the only path. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that uh, I graduated Davis with a 3.2 GPA and then uh, Academy was 2.3. I mean, it was, I'm a, I was an average student. Um, but again, I think uh, whether it's an employer or, you know, a university or in my case, the military, um, they're looking for well-rounded people. And so you really need to balance all of those things. And I think, I think if parents and, and I, I do. I'm a parent, um, and with my kids, I don't want them to just focus on academics. So, um, I think having a, a good balance is extremely important. So, yeah, if your kid's not a 4.0 student or 4.5 student, uh, that is certainly not the end of the world. Um, it, it's all important having a good balance. Okay. And so the other thing that you said that I want to uh, reiterate on is it sounds like you said the sports is one of the things that kept you there. It was a big driving force being at the academy. Absolutely. So um, my, my freshman year, um, so first semester freshman year, played water polo. Uh, we had a great team. Um, we went to the, uh, the NCAA tournament that year. Uh, but my grades suffered a little bit. Again, I was on the road a lot. I was I was a freshman, and you know, being a cadet. When you're a freshman at the service academy, you get harassed a little bit. You might be at least familiar with that. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it's you're, it's kind of a tough time. And then I went straight from water polo to swimming, and I started the swim kind of the preseason. And when my semester grades came out, they were they were not very good. And I actually was on academic probation. And I remember at the time being part of the swim team and working with those guys. And they're going, hey, man, you got to pull up those grades because we need you, uh, you know, when we go to meets and we're going to need you at the end of the season. And if, if your grades are suffering, then you'll be you won't be allowed to participate. 
And so being part of a team and, uh, and having great coaches. And again, in the, in the email you keep referencing, one of my mentors was my, one of my academy coaches. I didn't want to let him down. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was part of something that was bigger than just myself and I did not want to let them down. So I buckled down and I got my grades up to the point where I could, you know, I basically got off probation and I could continue to participate and, and be part of that team. So again, that, that got me through it. It really did. Um, it was extremely important for me. So that, and you know, it's interesting because sometimes I'll have parents say, oh, well, um, they look at the the sports as kind of the negative and saying, well, they, they, the kid needs to focus here. And what happened with you is the sports drove you to do better in school because there were people that were relying on you. And if you didn't have the grades, you couldn't compete. So that was a motivator for you, it sounds like. Absolutely. And you mentioned it in the beginning. So this whole kind of go it alone attitude, like mm-hmm. we're, that, that, that doesn't work. And I, it certainly didn't work for me. And so um, I was not going it alone. I had people around me, teammates, coaches, mentors that, you know, were, were counting on me and, and looking for me to, to, uh, to contribute to what we were trying to do. And so uh, I, that, that inspired and motivated me to say the least. So um, and had I not been a sports team and had that not been important to me. And like I said, it had been important to me my whole life, uh, growing up as a kid in Davis. Um, I think I wouldn't have, I'm not sure how it would have, would have turned out. It probably wouldn't have turned out as, as well as it did. Mm-hmm. And then, so you talk about your GPAs, right? And again, that's so counterculture, especially in the day and age that our children are living in, where everything is so much about can we measure it, and and parents can get believe that that GPA is going to determine their success, and but you never let your GPA. It sounds like you never let your GPA define your ability to be successful, whether it was in school as an athlete or even in your career in the Air Force. Yeah, I think that's true. Um... And it shouldn't. I mean, obviously, there's there's minimums. I mean, if you want to get into a higher higher institute of learning, you're going to have to meet those requirements. So there's I'm certainly not saying that, but uh, it shouldn't define you. I mean, um, I I didn't even I I didn't really know how to be a student at that time. It took me years after high school actually to really figure out how to study, how to prepare, how to work hard. Um, and at that time, I I didn't fully understand it, and so. I, I think I've got it now. Um, and even in my job now, you know, I have to study and, and prepare, but at that time it, it didn't, I didn't quite get it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think everyone develops, uh, at different rates and some, some kids are, are, you know, have a high GPA or do very well in school early on. And some, it just comes a little bit later. And for me, it was certainly, uh, the latter. It came much, much later. Do, do you consider yourself a lifelong learner, Garrett? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's one of the, the things that I, that I value, um, in a mentor. And that's kind of what we're focusing on here today is that I looked to these mentors and I saw that they were still kind of students of the game, whatever that was. And so like with Pete, it was, you know, athletics. And, and I saw in him that he was always bettering himself. He was always learning, um, and, uh, and, and I, I feel the same way. So that lifelong learner, um, 
I even saw it in my dad. So I told you my dad was a pilot and, and I was interested in flying again at a young age. And I remember one time he was sitting at the at the dining room table um, and I was probably middle school age and he had all his books out and, and he was studying and he had been there for, he was sitting there for quite a while. And I remember asking him, what are you doing? Cause you know, he's not in school. He was, <laughs> you know, 30 something years old and he had a job and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm preparing for a check ride. And a check ride is a flying evaluation that you have to take periodically. And, uh, he was studying and, um, he kind of showed me a few things and, and it was interesting to me, but, I remember at the time thinking, well, why would you keep studying when you're out of school? You know, what you... but that's what it takes, you know, I mean, to, to do that profession. And, and I can fully appreciate it now because that's what I'm doing. It does. You, you're constantly studying and learning and, and keeping up with things. And so that that stayed with me. Uh, I noticed it with my sports coaches. Um, I noticed it with uh, my commanders in my in the, in the units that I, I was with during my Air Force career. Um they, they didn't sit back and just kind of, um, you know, let things play out uh, without always improving and, and looking to better themselves. And so I know I took note of that and tried to tried to to emulate that, you know, try to try to do the same thing. And is that one of the reasons that you've been so successful in your life? Yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly the mentors. So yes, um, um, having a good mentor. So having someone that you can look at and go, "Wow, I want to, I want to be like that guy uh, or girl." And and I, I kind of boiled it down to three, three things. And one of them we just talked about. So I would call it credibility. But that's what you said, like being a lifetime student. You know, be a student of the game, whatever that is. Always staying up to speed on on what you're what your uh, particular, uh, you know, profession is. Um, the second would be a personal interest. So that mentor needs to take a personal interest in, in the individual. And I don't mean like just know their name and, you know, make sure they show up to class or practice or whatever it is, but actually get to know them. You know, you know, their, their family members and you know, their interests and maybe, you know, you know, you know about their background and then where, where they want to go and, and take the time to do it. Because uh, my good men, you know, the good, the good mentors that I had always did that. And they did it early. You know, they knew that, okay, I want this person to get on board with my program, whatever that is, whether it was a sports team, um, academics, or like a squadron commander that I had. And they would sit me down and, and get to know me a little bit. So that personal interest is important. And then obviously follow up with it. Don't just do it the one time. Um, and then um, – the last one would be lead by example. So when I would look at some of these people, I would see them doing things and working hard and putting the level of effort in where I'm like, wow, that's what it takes to get to that. So that's what I have to do. And I'll go back to Pete. I mean, I was just a kid, but Pete was, you know, an adult. Um, and there he was jumping in the pool with us kids swimming laps. I remember the first time I saw him do it, I was thinking, what's he doing down here swimming? <laughs> you know, so at first I was like, I didn't, I didn't know how to take it, you know, and he, he just, one day he just jumped in the pool and started swimming with us. Uh, and my, none of my coaches had ever done that. And then I got to the point where, okay, well now I'm going to get to show this guy a few things. So I'm going to beat him. You know, and then it became <laughs> like a, uh, a competition, which was great, you know, and it wasn't just swimming. Uh, we all, you know, Pete and, you know, we, we did a lot of things kind of outside the norm. So we would play, play ultimate Frisbee and, um, 
we had a game called Kickboard Wars and all these things. And Pete, he didn't just sit there and watch us do it. He was always participating. Um, and so that's that whole lead by example. I looked at him and went, wow, this guy, he's still doing this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, I know I could do it and I want to keep doing it. So that's important. Um, um, yeah. So those, those kind of three things, that's, that's what I looked for. Um, and I had that in many instances with my mentors. I was so fortunate to be around these people. Um, feel very fortunate. So but there's something about you too, because think these are the people that you surrounded yourself with. But what was it that? How did you show up in all these instances to create these kind of relationships? Because there's something that you did. Do you know what it was? Um. Well, I I think it starts with uh, a willingness to learn. So you know, when I would, whether it was starting with a new team or or like a new like an Air Force unit or Air Force squadron that I would go to, just walk in there uh, a little humble and realize you're you're the new guy and you're willing to learn and you're willing to work. And if you show someone that, then they'll they'll do whatever it takes to help you out. If you walk in with a chip on your shoulder, and I, I tried not to do that, um, uh, then, then it's a lot more difficult. So I think you start there. Um, and, you know, in flying, for example. So I was a, you know, I started out flying and then pretty quickly I became an instructor. And I'm, most of the assignments I had, I was a flight instructor. And I remember um, there were a lot of students that, that weren't very good. They didn't have, at least initially, the skills set, the skill set to, to fly the airplane very well. But when they were working hard and you could you could tell when they were, you know, really putting in the effort and they really cared about it, and they would seek out your, you know, they'd come to you and say, hey, what, can I get some extra instruction or do you, can we sit down and talk about this? You notice that. You take note of that. And then you're willing to help them. And so the effort that someone puts into something is completely controlled by them. That's, that's on you. Um, and then it's up to the mentor or the instructor to help them get the skill set, to, to develop, help develop that skill set. In fact, one of the things that I mentioned uh, when I kind of reviewed all my mentors, uh, my Air Force water polo coach, he had a saying, and it was so true, and that is, hustle is a talent. Hustle is a talent. And what he meant by that was, if you're playing a sport, for you to hustle on a play or you know put a lot of effort into, into one play, it's not something you turn on or off. It needs to be something that you do all the time and you develop. Um, and so as an example, he always said, and you can relate to this, he's like, when you touch that, when you're in the field and you touch the water pole, when you touch the ball, you need to be up and out of the water. And I want to see the top of your swimsuit, meaning like you're, you are putting some effort you're using those legs and you're not just, you know, chin in the water, dinking that thing around. And he, he, he said it in a way, like, if you get the privilege of actually getting to touch the ball, you better put some effort into it. And he hammered that home on us, hammered that home to us on the team. Uh, that hustle was a talent, and he was right. And so, you know, I think the best example of that is uh, college basketball. And I love watching the NCAA tournament in March. And there's always a team that gets in there that's some little podunk school, and they don't have the big players, and they don't have the talent, but they hustle. You know, they got the heart, they got the drive, they are hustling, they're diving for the ball. You know, when it's trying, when it's going out of bounds, and you see that hustle, and that's why they're there. Um, and that's kind of what 
what he embodied in our team because we weren't the biggest, you know, we were going up against Stanford and Cal and USC and we, you know, on paper. And if you looked at us, you know, we couldn't compete with those guys, but we, we tried to make up for it with hustle. And so that's something I applied in sports and then later in life. And you could, you could uh, replace hustle with just, you know, effort or, you know, really, really concentrating and putting a lot of effort into whatever it was. So for me, it was flying and learning how to fly and, and then later being an instructor. And, and you can't teach that. That's something that has to come from that person. And when you see it, then you want to help them out. Um, and so I tried to do that as a mentor, and I certainly got that from from my mentors. I, I really like that idea, the hustle, and um, and also where you as the student are willing to show up and ask for help. It's you, you you're yeah. coming, not you're not getting chosen by these men and saying, "Oh, come over here, let's take you under the wing." You're showing up and showing a willingness and eagerness that look, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to do this hard work. Right. And that's, that's why they took the time to, I, I think that's one of the reasons why they said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to invest some time into this person because he's willing to work hard. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. I was talking to um, a swimmer from, from another state, but she was, she was visiting and swam with us for a bit and was mentioning it, talking about the differences between our program and hers. And she goes, well, our coaches don't give us feedback or this or that. I said, well, if you want feedback, ask for it. Just ask. Yeah. Don't wait for them to give you the information. Ask if you want to be a learner because then, and maybe the coaches will show up and give you, deliver you more information, but ask so that they know that you want it. That's a great point. And um, again, I'll, I'll relate that on the flying side. So as a flying instructor, when a student would come up to me and say, Hey, I, I have a question on this or I need some feedback and they sit down and they got their pen and you know, pen and paper out and they're, they're sitting there taking notes and they're paying attention. That just, I mean, that, that really makes you want to help that person out. I mean, you can't help, but want to help, help that person out. And so that, that's a great point. Seek feedback, I think is a, is a great way to go and, and seek it from those mentors, from those mentors that you uh, look up to and trust, like go, go to them, find them and, um, and seek their feedback because it's, it's extremely valuable. So I have a question about this, the seeking the mentors, because I mean, Pete kind of just fell into your lap, right? You're on a swim team. He's your coach. I mean, you're also, you know, like Pete calls, you know, teenagers half brains. So, you know, at that time, you're not kind of like, oh, who are the mentors in my life? No, you you have no idea. (laughs) Right. You don't, you don't get it. Yeah. But but later on, as you got older, were you more deliberate in the mentors that you chose? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Because then you you've got some experience and you can recognize, um, you know, a good mentor from maybe someone who's not so good. Um, the other thing is you get recommendations. And so if I would, if I would, you know, when I got to a new squadron, um, I might talk to a peer and, and, and they're giving me, Hey, here's, you know, here's how it, how it works here. And they might point out and say, Hey, go talk to so-and-so. Cause he's, you know, he's really, He's really good about, uh, you know, taking you under their wing and very credible. Um, he takes an interest and he'll take an interest in you and, and, and he, he leads by example. And so um, that's another way is, is to ask maybe a peer. Um, but you learn, to, you learn to recognize that. And, and again, the first thing that always jumped out at me was, was the level of effort. I mean, I, there were guys um, in some of the units I was in where 
immediately you could see how hard they were working. Um, and I just wanted to, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to copy that. I wanted to do the same thing. And so those are the guys I was drawn to and not the guys that were kind of kicked back, you know, with every situation, every organization, um, or you, or a school or, or a team, there's always going to be things to complain about. And the people that when you're first sort of, uh, encounter with them is a lot of complaining and a lot of talk about, well, it should be this way, or, you know, I wish it wasn't this way. So they're talking about it, but they're not doing anything about it. I would stay away from those guys and gravitate more towards the people who I could see were actually working hard to make things better. And so that's something I developed over time. Um, but you're right when you're, when you're young, you don't really have much choice. You know, you've got, you've got your teachers, you've got your coaches. Um, uh, and they're, those are, those are kind of who you, you know, you have as mentors. And I was just really fortunate. I had Pete, I had Pete Motokaitis and he was, uh, he was great. I mean, for so many reasons. Um, and it's so funny that I would throughout my, cause now I've been, I was in the air force 21 years active duty. And I look back and throughout that time, there were moments where I would go, man, that's, I was better prepared for that because of something that I had done with Pete, uh, when he was my coach. And so you just don't even realize it at the time, how influential that mentor will be. And it may not even be at that time. And I told Pete that I said, you don't even realize the impact you're having on these guys. Um, and it may happen later in life. And it did for me. I'd be in a situation and I'd look back and go, well, I got through, you know, hell week with Pete <laughs> Motokaitis. <laughs> so whatever it is right now, I can, I can handle this, you know, and that was later in life. It wasn't like the next week. It was, you know, 10 years later. So uh, sometimes you don't even realize the impact you're having, but, but you are. Yeah. Those dog days of hell week have gotten a lot of people through a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it has. And actually for me, it was basic training. So at the Air Force Academy, you go through a basic training and they're yelling at you and you're doing pushups and you're running with your rifle and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I, I'd been through some of these kind of things with Pete and it really wasn't, you know, sometimes I just kind of smile and, and, you know, people are having a hard time and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as difficult for me because of that. <laughs> yeah you're not the you're not the only one and and yeah. that, and you know I think about because swimming as a, being a swimmer it was so influential in my life and and I too had come a few years ago to a point in my life where I was really being reflective and looking back and 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 one of the ways that we run the organization I always talk to my coaches the most important thing you can do is say hello and goodbye because my age group coach did that every day. He was happy to see me. And for me, that created the safe place for me to show up every day. I was the shy little yeah. girl, right? And so those are things, you know, he wasn't thinking, oh, I make an impact. He's saying hello to me every day. Yeah. He's saying goodbye. But what it meant to me, and that I think is what you're speaking to is you really never know the true impact that you're having on people. You don't. And it you're right. So that, that's, that was one of my points. So personal interest, you have to take as a mentor, you must take a personal interest in this person because then they will, they'll want to invest the time. They, you'll see the effort. You'll see them uh, want to be part of, of what you're doing. You're right. That's so important. I hadn't even thought about it, but saying hello and goodbye, it's very simple, um, but it does have a big impact. So that's a great point. Yeah. Cause that's the start of a relationship. And then from there you can build 
it, there's this little girl who's on the on the monsters right now and and i've known her a bit and stuff and she has this great smile and she's going to go into fourth grade and every time i see her i say hi to her and so we've been building on this over a period of time probably about a month we're at the same site right now and so yesterday she came over and i was talking to her because i think two days ago i said you know you just have a great smile you come in here every day and you have this great smile so she's you know because i can be pretty scary to a lot of the little kids and because i don't coach them i coach you know the junior high school kids so i can be scary and i'm loud and big and booming and so uh -huh. yesterday she's coming over we're talking and she's i'm asking her what school she goes to and it's just this relationship that we're developing and she loves to be a swimmer and she loves to be here she loves to go to swim meets and so we're just we're talking about that and i could just see how she's just lighting up and i get this great energy of a fourth grader you know yeah. nine-year-olds nine are really fun people to be around so it, but that's where it starts for me it started with the hello and goodbye and then how do you develop from there um I want to go into something else because the thing I noticed in your email is that, you know, like in, and with Pete, it wasn't, oh, these are the achievements that I had, right? Because again, we're always so into GPAs. What are the achievements? Yeah. All of these things. It wasn't the achievements for you. It was the hell week, the kickboard wars, the farmer's yeah. market, right? The, yeah. the learning, the pain and discomfort were temporary. And, and all throughout with the mentors, it wasn't the achievements because you've achieved quite a bit, whether as an athlete. I mean, I remember, was it back in what, 1993, you were at senior nationals and, uh, and Pete was there with Denali Knapp and <laughs> yeah. you guys connected, I think up in King County. And yeah. so, you know, right. you, you were on the top tier of, of, of swimming, but it, but you don't talk about that in your, in your email of all the different achievements that you have. And I, and I, th I found that to be significant. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, I hadn't thought about that, actually, but you're right. Um, I mean, I, of course, I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have good memories of all the things we achieved. Uh, I mean, when I swam for Pete, we, we had some good teams. I mean, we, we had championship teams, and um, we, we did very well. Um, and so great memories of all of that. But that, that stuff, for me anyway, kind of fades away, and it was, it's the personal things that, that stay with me. And so, and Pete was such a personal, hands-on guy that you can't help but remember all that stuff. So that was the bigger impact. Um, and I think that's generally true for all of my experiences with, with mentors. Um, the achievements are important at the time and they're important for a career. So you want to capture that and you want to, you know, highlight that if you're, you know, moving on to a new job or maybe trying out for a team or whatever it is. But um, when, when I reflect back and, and look at how did I get here, it wasn't real. it wasn't because of the achievements. I mean, um, I had, you know, I had friends on those teams. So Pete's teams and, and other, other teams that, you know, maybe didn't quite achieve the same level of success in terms of, you know, maybe they weren't, weren't a great swimmer or water polo player or whatever, but in life. So in their career, they're extremely successful. And they went through those same, they went through hell week with me and they went through all these other things. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the achievement, uh, I, I think, I think we do focus on that a little bit too much. Um, I think the other thing is, um, your, your failures are, are probably just as, if not more important. And so, um, and again, I wouldn't highlight that where I'm kind of reflecting on mentorship, but, um, 
you know, children certainly need to learn that at a young age, that it's okay to fail and you're going to learn from that um, just like successes. So, but I don't think you should stress that. I think you should stress and, and focus on uh, those personal connections um, that you have with people and, and how it, uh, like, like hell week, for example, what, cause that, that had, that had an impact inside, you know, like there, there was something going on inside of me that changed after that week or, you know, after the second or third time that I did it, you know, um, there's something that changes inside of you. And I don't think that happens, you know, when you win first place at, at a swim meet or something like that. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I think, um, that stuff's important. Um, but it's not, um, it's not as important as, as what your mentors are, are providing. It, well, it's just so interesting. Cause again, you know, we talk so much about that out stuff that the, and we're culturally based that way. You know, what are the person's achievements? And I know you're a successful swimmer and water polo player. And I know you were also a pretty badass uh, pilot. You're a really badass pilot. You know, Pete, there's a lot of Garrett Lowe stories that Pete's still to this day telling in 2015. Um, but so often, you know, people, again, def will define themselves by that. But I just loved how with the mentors and the, how you were shaped, it's like those things happened. It would seem to me is those things happened because of the process that you went through, right? And because you had this work ethic and you were willing to work hard and hustle and, and this willingness to learn and not define yourself from your mistakes or failures, but you were able to achieve those things, but they're also not um, what define you either. Like your, it sounds like your achievements and your failures don't really define you. You do them and you keep moving on and you learn and you do them and you keep moving on and learn. Tell me where I'm wrong. I think you're exactly right. Um, absolutely right. Um, they, they're, they're going to come and go. I mean, you're, you're going to have successes and failures. Um, and like I said, you learn as much, if not more from the failures as you do the successes, but, um, the, the effort that you put in and the experiences that you have are, are what defines you. And that's what makes you who you are. Um, I, um, I have some, I had friends that went that participated on uh, championship water polo teams. So I, we, the air force had a good team, but we, we certainly weren't, you know, going to win the national championship. And I had friends that played for Cal and Stanford and these are big teams and they have like, you know, A, B and C type teams and, and red shirt freshmen and all, I mean, they're huge or it's a machine. And I remember talking to those guys and it would be the season that they won, you know, and they were like, eh, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, we won. We kind of expected to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't that important to them. Um, and I think because they didn't have some of the things that we were just talking about, so as a team, the organization they were a part of achieved the ultimate success, which is great. But, you know, did their coach have a personal interest in them? Uh, was, were their coaches or their mentors leading them by example? Did they show them credibility? You know, I don't think they had all of those things necessarily. Um, and so that, so the end result wasn't, wasn't really as important, um, so I think it's very easy to focus on that, but you shouldn't. That 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 would be a mistake. Um, rather focus on uh, the experience that you had, and and the road to get there. You know, the road or the path that you took to get there. 
you know, as, as you were saying that, like the thing that kind of came to me was it's kind of this heart connection, like we're connected and we're, we're, yeah. we're going to work hard, but it's, it's, it's that people matter. Right. And, and how are we going to do this together with what we have? We're not going to complain. We're not going to say, oh, well, we're cadets and we have these other responsibilities. What are we going to do? Right. This is what we have. And, um, and, 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 and there's that care about the person and it's not just, oh, let's go achieve this thing. And it's this outward thing out here, but it's okay. What, how can we do this? Yeah, no, you're right. And it's it, the complaining thing. And I mentioned it before, but, um, those those kind of attitudes are infectious. So if you're on a team or you're part of an organization where people are complaining um, and they're whining about stuff and it it tends to spread and that's and you don't want that. And so in the military, there's so many reasons to complain because people are, you know, you're, at the academy anyway, you're 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 set you're away from home. You don't you're. you're a lot of your rights are kind of taken away. You know, they shave your head and they make you march around and, you know, they, they take all your stuff away. You don't really have many personal items and, and all these things. Um, and it's really easy to complain about it. Um, and there were a lot of those people. And But then the the people that basically make, make the most of it, um, stay positive, realize that this is temporary, just like if you're – if you're in hell week, that pain is temporary and it eventually will go away and it's to get you somewhere. And so, um, yeah, that, and that starts with that personal connection. So you, you make that personal connection, you have people invest in, in what you're doing and your cause, uh, or, you know, where, where you want your team to go. And then the, you, you won't find all the complaints, you know, people just won't do it because they're, they're on board with the program. Um, so that's probably something you need to key in as a mentor if, if that's happening and you won't even always be aware of it. You may need to have someone because if you're the mentor, the people you're mentoring may not directly complain to you. So you have to be very tuned in to what's going on. Uh, and if that's happening, you need to, you need to make some changes because people are not on board. And I saw that in the military with um, some commanders where, you know, maybe there were some changes that needed to happen, or maybe we were getting ready to deploy somewhere, and the way that we were going about it was not was not great. And um, a good commander seeks the feedback. They they go and they talk to people. Hey, how are things going? What's going on? And then then you realize pretty quick that people aren't happy uh, and they're not on board. And so I think a good mentor needs to really really pay attention to that. Um, make the personal connection and then people will do, they'll, they'll move mountains for you. Um, and they, they'll, they'll realize that that, that pain or, you know, whether it's a swim, swim team hell week or, you know, marching around, um, with a pack and a rifle in your hand, it's temporary. Uh, but we got to do that to, to get to, uh, to get to where we want to go. And so how have you seen some of your mentors, uh, handle that the complaining. So after they ask the questions and get that input, how do they get the more of a buy-in? I think they um, they can do it on an individual level, but mm-hmm. what works best is you get everyone together. So, and again, I keep going back to the military because that's mm-hmm. that's my experience. But the commander will he'll have a commander's call or she, he'll say, okay, everybody in here. So we all go in a room and we close the door, and the gloves are off. And you can say whatever, and it's a non-retro. Now, obviously, you know decorum and all that, but you can say, "Hey, I don't like the way this is going." And and in the 
in the Air Force, a flying squadron in particular is really good at that because we do, uh, we'll do flight debriefs. So we go and fly a mission, we come back, and those group of people that were in that flight, you go into a room and you close the door and you debrief. And it doesn't matter what ranks on your shoulder. You just, if someone screwed up, you tell them. And so a good commander with his whole unit would do the same thing. He would say, look, um, here's the end result. Here's where we need to go. What, what do we need to change? And just seek that feedback. So I think that's how, that's how the good ones would do it. Um, sometimes you could let that filter down with your subordinates. So maybe you tell your subordinates and they filter it down to their subordinates that that can work too. But I think when I saw it uh, the best uh, at its best was when the commander himself or herself brought everybody in, closed the door and we basically just hashed it out. Um, And that's almost the reverse of what we were talking about before. Right? So as a, as as someone who has a mentor seek feedback. Well, in this case, it's the mentor seeking feedback mm-hmm. um, because, because as a commander, you're really working for all of your, all your people. I mean, that's your job. You're taking care of them um, so they can get, they can get the mission done. And so if you don't go and ask them, Hey, what do you need? Or what, what are we screwing up? What do we, what do we need to change? Um, you, you'll never be able to do that. And so that's really important. I think it's the same if you're a coach or if you're a teacher, I think it would work the same way. Um, You know, if you're a, if you're a youth coach or a high school coach, you probably have to take it with a grain of salt because they might say, Hey, we need to, you know, have 30 minute practices to go goof (laughs) off every day. You know, that would be there. So you can't always, you know, listen, but, uh, but you still want, you still want some of that, right? Even if it's a, I'm guessing, and I haven't been, I've, I've, I've done some youth coaching, but, um, you still want to, and I bet you do that too, Corinne, where you still go and, and seek feedback or input from your, from your athletes, right? You do seek feedback or even from the parents, but I think there's always boundaries about yeah. what are, what's the feedback, you know, uh, that uh, you're, you're seeking. Um, because if there aren't boundaries, then that, that can just lead to things sure. running amok. But yeah, yeah, so yeah, like you said, there you seek feedback from your athletes, but the boundaries we're not having play day every day. Because yeah. this is if this is the goal that you want to achieve, what are the things that we need to do to get there? Right. And I'll seek feedback within that frame set or with the parents. And I think in any organization, company culture, what a what you're talking about when a mentor or a leader is a healthy leader and can do that, right? that you're, you're having, you're creating an opportunity to have courageous conversations. Right. You have to do that. Um, because, because if it, if you don't, if things are bad, it'll just spiral, spiral out of control. And, and as a leader or a mentor, you may not even realize it's happening. So you have to take the time to, to seek that feedback, demand the feedback from, from, um, from uh, from your subordinates, if you will, or, mm-hmm. or from your the people in your organization, um, and it, that and that will go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that, that those courageous conversations where people can show up and really say what they're. This is the problem with a lot of workplaces because people are so worried about getting fired sure. that they can't say something. And you could say, well, there, you know, even in the military, there could be retribution, right? Everybody's worried about that. So that's where the complaining and the gossiping and the really toxicity comes from because people feel that they don't have a voice. But where you can have a container where it's safe where you say, look, we take the gloves off, we close the room, we go, and especially when you're 
in jets, right? Or when you're a pilot. Yeah, right. You you have to have these courageous conversations because it's life or death. It's life or death. And people 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 can get hurt. Um, and that's why, you know, the debrief is so important. And I use that term and you could you could apply that to, to something besides just, you know, flying, but but you go you you, you prepare for something, you go out and do it. And a lot of people just say, okay, well, we're done. And and that might be, a sw- you know, going to a swim meet or playing a water polo game, but, but afterward, or, or a flight or a military flight, but afterward, you got to come back and you got to close that loop. So you get back in the room and you close the door. And that's really where the learning happens, at least in the flying world. So, you know, when we prepare and then we go execute and then we, we come back is really where you learn because for me, so I had a fighter background, you know, you have the... The, the aircraft records has tapes and it records it records everything you do and you come back and you reconstruct and you dissect it you know and you really get down to okay what went wrong uh, and how are we going to fix it next time next time and that's how you get better it's the same thing with mentors so the mentor must go to his go to his people and say look what is what is wrong demand that feedback the other part I thought uh, I was just thinking about that's important is to keep messaging too, because if the leader is not sending a constant, clear message to his people on, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it, then they're gonna they're gonna have questions in their mind, like what what are we doing this for, why? And if you if you continually push that message out, you answer a lot of those questions before they even become a problem. Um, and I'm sure that's the case with, in your case, with parents. So, you know, you're interacting with the kids mostly on a day-to-day basis. They're going home to mom and dad and saying, hey, we're doing this. And the parents are going, what? And so if you're, if you're pushing that message out to them, say, hey, this is why, you know, we're having practice, you know, twice as long or we're going here or, you know, for Pete, we're going to do a hell week, you know, and I'm going to take, take your kids and they're not going to get a spring break. They're going to be with me at the pool for like four or five hours a day. But here's why, and then that just clears that up, and and it's it's so much easier. So I think a good leader or a good mentor will message that messaging is so important uh, to continually do that. I love that. That's great. Um, so as we wrap up here, I, I love how we talked about you know just your background and. Thank you for being just so honest about where you were, because there's so much fear and scarcity, especially with parents these days about, oh my gosh, their kid's going to get defined by who they are in high school. And, and you're an example that that's not the case. And, 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 and I'm, I'm constantly telling stories to parents about there's many different paths and there's many different ways. And, and I also do that here on the show. But, and I love the three, the characteristics that you look for in a mentor and, um, and then how, you know, you kind of, some mentors walked into your life and then some you were deliberate about finding um, and the feedback. Is there anything that you'd like to share as we wrap up today's show? Um, I would probably just end with, um, if, if you are a mentor, if, if, if you consider yourself a mentor, um, whether you're a coach or a teacher or you know, somebody's boss, um, you probably don't realize the impact you're having on someone. And so it's worth your time to 
sit down and think about, am I having a personal, am I taking a personal interest in this person? Um, am I leading this person by example? Am I, am I exhibiting the behavior that I want this person to do? And then am I credible at, at what I'm doing? So am I, you know, a student of the game or a life student? Am I continuing to better myself to remain credible? And if I can do those three things, um, I'm probably going to be a pretty good mentor. And again, you may not even realize it at the time, but if you do a good job, <clears throat> then at some point that person will realize it and they'll probably reach back to you and say, <clears throat> excuse me, and say thanks. Thanks for what you did. Uh, you really made a difference. You, you made an impact in my life. You know, and, and I think that there's a couple points. One is that I know with Pete, you know, he, he didn't go out to, and coach you and do all those things because he thought, oh my gosh, and in 19 or in 2015, I'm going to get an email that says you made a difference, right? He right. didn't, he didn't think, oh, I'm going to be a mentor. It was like, okay, no. I've got these no. group of boys. What can I do? How can I help them be the best that they possibly can be? Yeah. And, and then you guys have this relationship that, you know, whenever, if, if it was, you were in town after, after you left, if it was you in town or you were at a swim meet and you guys were together, there was always these connecting points throughout the years. So that again, I mean, we're talking, I mean, when did you graduate from high school? 90, 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's been a while. This lifelong relationship that's happened and there's been follow-up throughout the years sure. and emails or short conversations or whatever, or you, you know, I always laugh because how you came to the pool, you, you came to our house one summer, we weren't home and where'd you go? You went to the pool to look for Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Cause where else would and Pete I found be? him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As yeah. I was looking for him, I'm like, wait, where's the beat? Where's Pete? The beat's going to start. Oh, Garrett Lowe was just here. Okay. <laughs> right. Yep. I remember that. So, so one of the things, I guess my point is that, as a mentor, it's not that you're making this deliberate decision, I'm going to make this huge impact because we don't really know at the time. And I remember when I was a young coach, coaching college, and, you know, had Pete who had had, you know, people already coming back to him, and I really wanted that. And it and then it wasn't happening like the next day. And I was like, okay, how come that's not happening? It takes time. It does. And, and so now, you know, of course, I mean, I've been coaching for over 20 years and people come back to me now. But it takes time for it. So for the listeners out there who are thinking about this mentor thing, you really don't know the difference that you're making over the long haul. You may know, like, I can tell when I say hi to a kid and they get a big smile, right? Mm -hmm. I can yep. see that. But you just never know. Like, there are conversations that former athletes come back to me with or students that will come back to me with and say that I don't even remember having. But they'll say, sure. I remember you said X. And, and I think that's also really good insight because the, one of the things that I've been learning a lot, especially this spring slash summer is you never really know who's paying attention. That's right. And so how are you showing up in your life? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, but if you do have an impact on someone, eventually they'll come back to you. <laughs> they will. Um, and it, I'm sure it, it will, it's very rewarding. I mean, and, and I know I'm not the only person to have done that with, with Pete, um, but I'm sure it's extremely rewarding, even you, all these years later, to realize that you had such an impact at an early stage in their life, and it has carried with them throughout their, their career. 
um, it's it's extremely rewarding. Well, you know, and with him, I mean, that's why we're here, right? Because he had mentioned your email to me and it was, I think, the first week of summer. And so things were crazy. And I just, you know, did the wife, uh uh-huh, and I moved on. And then the next day he mentioned it again. And Pete doesn't, he's pretty humble about things, but he mentioned it again. And he had his laptop and he goes, here, I want you to read this you know, and it was really heartfelt and touching. And then he's been talking about, it. he's like, well, Garrett should be on your show. This should be, this is a really good <laughs> example of mentors. And, you know, he would not have been, he wouldn't have accomplished what he did in his life had it not been for, you know, these people. And, That's true. and so it really, really touched him where all of a sudden he became my co-producer. It's like, oh, let's get this done. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Maybe he's got a future in that. I don't know if that's a good thing. No, <laughs> we're going to keep him out of it. But this, it was a very good idea. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you coming out and being on the show today. So thank you so much for that. Well, it's been my pleasure. And, uh, and thanks for, thanks for um, you know, exploring this topic. I think it's very important. Uh, I hope your listeners get something out of it. And I hope they, they take it to heart and they, they think about ways or areas where they can maybe be a mentor. To someone because it is extremely important um so thank you corinne for for taking an interest in this this is a great topic and it goes both ways right like i have mentors and i sure. mentor people so it's still you know it goes both ways and how can we how do we show up in our lives right and who are the people we surround ourselves with so you had great questions in here so thank you so much garrett thank you corinne my pleasure I love this conversation about mentors and reflecting back and looking at how you got there and how, you know, what were the things that helped you get there and realizing that it was a team of people. And so I ask you to think about who are the people on your team? And if you recall at the beginning of this interview with Garrett, I mentioned how my husband, who this email had such a huge impact in, in 2015, how when he first started out as a coach, he was very limited on who we would go and seek. We're very different. Like I've really built a, a lot of mentors in my life and would go and seek um, help from. And now my husband really owns who he has mentors with and who his mentor is. And But when he was younger, he really thought he had to go it much more alone. So he had a couple people, but not. He was very, very selective. And he's learned that it's important to have people on your team. So think about that. Who are the people on your team and where can you learn? And Garrett said something about coming back and you always hear me use the word circle back, circling back because then you can learn and being a lifelong learner. So thanks so much for listening today. It really was a pleasure to have a conversation with him about his own personal journey and how the people in his life helped him shape his life. Thanks for listening. And I do want to connect with you. So go to www.howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for my newsletter. I've got this great 10 audio series about how you can, the Daring Way intro, and what are the things getting in your li- way in your life and how you can move through them. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so. Sold-